yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wecker, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunny Independent. This week I'm joined by David Cawley, who has come up with these, which are the One Sonic headphones, an Irish-designed, Irish-made brand of headphones and wireless earbuds as well. David, you're welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adrian. David, why on earth would you make a pair of headphones and a pair of wireless earbuds? Um, yeah, you know, I, a lot of people have asked me that and I, I love this question because the first thing a lot of people, particularly in business, would say is that the audio market is um, saturated with product and all that. But I'll, I'll tell you why. Very simply, I was on a beach in Nicaragua in uh, January, psychotically early in January 2018, like I mean the second or third, uh, 30 degrees. And I bought a, I bought a pair of um, wireless earbuds on the way out in the airport. And my intention was get to the beach, get into the sun and listen to my music. Um, and I just, the brand will, re- will remain nameless, I think, to be fair, but I, I was just so disappointed with the sound quality um, and the fit. They, they were too big. They felt too big and they, they, they never really fell out of my ear, but they always threatened to fall out. So I was really disappointed with the, the product. And I just thought, you know, my other company, Allegro Acoustics, is going 10 years since 2010. And we've worked with some of the biggest audio brands in the world in terms of audio design, speaker driver performance, all that sort of stuff. And it kind of came to me, I realized that actually we have worked with all of the different integral parts of audio devices. And I just thought, hang on, why are we not? Why are we acting as design consultants to the audio industry? Mm. We need to have a dog in the fight. We need to have our own brand. And that was the first point. Of, um, that's a big That's a big dog to have in the fight, though, because it's one thing to want to build your own rival product. It's another thing to actually build it, market it, distribute it, get it, you know, um, get it back to your position, take, take care of things like customer service, all of those things, which we couldn't go into depth. I just want to ask you about the beach, though, and the the uh, buds that you bought. What was it about them that wasn't working? Was it that they wouldn't fit in correctly? Were they rubber tips? Yeah, there was three things. Um, firstly, they were they cost me 162 euro. Um, right. So That's I would have expected... Toward the upper end. I mean, at your Europe, Europe near AirPods yeah. level there, yeah. You are. And it was a brand that we hadn't actually worked on. We had no visibility. So I was really curious to see what they were like anyway. Um, and basically, first of all, the sound quality was terrible. It was like it was way too much bass. And then the middle and high end was fluffy and fuzzy. Huh. Uh, 
and yeah, and then like second to that, the fitting was really bad. No matter what, it was the buds, like the changeable ones. And they had two options for um, connecting the Bluetooth. Mm. You could choose one that was stable or one that was a uh, high quality audio. Mm. Now, the problem was the high quality audio one did improve the audio quality, but it was unstable. And then you mm. have the option of going to the unstable one, which is crap audio quality. And I was like, why would you do? Why would you give a consumer, the customer, that choice? Because you're just going to annoy them one way or another. So the thing about AirPods that I've noticed, I've literally uh, reviewed, I'd say, ten pairs, ten brands over the last four to five months, all of the big marks. And what I've noticed about the ones with the rubber tip is, at first, they can seem a little bit weak and a little bit poor when you put them in. I, for me particularly, I actually prefer the hard stem ones, which you happen to make. Um, your one sonic buds here uh if anyone's watching the video stream of this they are the sort of the long the the tough stem ones like kind of airpods huawei a few others um but the rubber tip ones are slightly more popular with manufacturers but i find that it sounds for me it's the obvious tinny at first now i do find if i manipulate them in i will get a better uh, sennheiser is a classic example that i've uh, reviewed quite a few sennheiser buds and um, at first, they always seem a little bit dodgy. I remember thinking, my God, this is a company with real audio heritage here. But when I when I sort of work them in a bit, I end up getting actually superb uh, sound off them. The problem with that is if you go for a walk or a jog, they come, they become disliked. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking, are you actually talking about the final product of the audio from these earbuds? Yeah, this is, you've kind of captured to me also, like the bigger, the bigger sort of, um, area that we want to work on. And the first thing is the primary, like the primary um, use for these for me. Now I'm, I'm a selfish individual, unfortunately. I, I've discovered this last while because these products I've developed, I've developed them for myself first. And I think, you know, if I can develop the product that I can use it and it works for me, then it can work. I can make it work for, it will work for somebody else. And like I primarily use um, the Bluetooth products, Bluetooth audio device products for jogging, working out in the gym. And that's exactly it. As soon as you start to move or if you start to sweat in the gym or on a jog, the rubber tipped ones, the buds, it's very difficult for them to stay in place. Um, and that was an issue for me. So that's why we went we went down the route initially of the solid um, casing. Mm. Uh, and also with ours, I don't know if you can see that there, but you can see kind of we've got an ergonomic, a little hook here, which is part of our ergonomic design. So they, they hook into your ear and they don't move on a jog. That's the point. Yeah, um, no, but, I found yeah, them to be yeah pretty pretty uh, pretty decent, pretty pretty solid. By the way, they're only sixty quid, which um, I'll come on to in a bit. That um, the idea of buying Irish and all that kind of stuff. But actually, in terms of value proposition, they're pretty good. So uh, kudos on keeping the. Uh, the value there. just on that point actually so how do you so you have this idea you 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 clearly know what you're doing in terms of audio and acoustics but you want to make a pair of headphones and a pair of buds where do you start like like i've spoken to guys like liam casey at shenzhen uh and and all of these um there are quite a few links now out to to china in particular to get stuff made once you've the design where do you start yeah, good question. Um, to be perfectly honest, I think if I'd realised when I was on the beach uh, that it would be quite as difficult and take up so much of my life, I'm not sure I'd have gone down this route. Well, no, I would, but um, well, yeah, our, our manufacturing partners are in Shenzhen and um, we've got great partners over there, great people that we've been working with for the last two and a half years. And we've involved people that we've known historically as well. So it's it's very much like bringing an audio tech brand to market is very much 
putting together many different resources. Um, you know, we work with technology guys in Taiwan. Uh, we work with Qualcomm. So there's a whole load of different integral parts that you need to put together. Now, the reason we had to launch, you know, I became hell bent on launching One Sonic was because we had visibility on all the different components. And so it was a matter of putting those together and then finally getting the product together and then go through the R&D and testing and all that sort of uh, stuff, which we've been at. So did you, um, find yeah, any that, did you find any of that Irish connection stuff useful at all in the Shenzhen? Uh, I mean, the Irish connection around the world is is it is the number one connection. Um, some of our Irish connections that um, you know that we've met up with in Asia and stuff have just been superb. And the Irish connection, there's there's no doubt. Like once you leave the shore, we, we love fighting it out here on the island when we're on our own. But once mm. we leave the shores and we're out, Irish people are abroad. I think we're we're great for um, sticking by each other and having each other's backs. And we do the same for our other partners and stuff. So no, we have a lot of Irish people that um, are abroad and that have helped us massively. Um, get to where we are and i think like you know bringing an audio tech brand like one sonic to market it's never just one guy like i'm just on this interview but there are so many people involved from so many different walks of life and so um, aspects of business yeah so you and so you, the result the early result is you've got this pair of buds you've got these headphones here the headphones are 75 quid um what do you do next what happens next um and actually before i even get to that 60 quid and 75 quid we're used to expecting to pay maybe twice that for a decent pair of headphones and probably around the hundred up for the buds. So what is the difference between, well, how have you priced it at that level? And what, what are the difference? Why, why am I paying 139 euro for a different, uh, for a different pair of buds? Is it, is it drivers? Is it the tech? Is it the, is it the Bluetooth tech? What, what's the margin there? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Adrian. Um, like we, we found basically that the majority of other audio devices and the big brands, what, what they have, they have a whole lot of technology in there in the device that, you know, a lot of it is data-driven, voice-driven, there's a whole lot of stuff going on that adds to cost in the factory and adds to the R&D costs. Now, our objective from the absolute start was, number one, sound quality. That was our first objective that we wanted to deliver. And um, because you see, if you go... Okay, you go over 200 euros, you're pretty much guaranteed most of the time you'll get good sound quality and then a load of tech. If you go under 100 euros and certainly down to where our price point is, you're, you're never going to get good sound quality. It's what, just, why not? What, what is the key component that's usually missing there at that price level? At that price level, what, what we find other brands have done, and um, this is through our own market research and researching products, is, you know, they, they, they try and cover all bases. So they try and have a whole load of stuff going on and they don't really do anything that well. So you're not going to do audio that well if that's what you're doing. So what we actually did was we took a lot of the tech that we've realized people don't actually use and the voice recognition, the data stuff. We just got all that and kicked it out. We said, you know what? Mm. People don't even want this. They don't use it. So what's the point in having it? And we focused literally on number one, sound quality, number two, ergonomics and comfort, um, and number three, simplicity, so that it's easy to use. And everything kind of fell in place from there. Like um, even our, our ear, ear uh, phones, these are IPX4, which means they're sweat and splash resistant. But that actually came about when we got rid of buttons. They're, they're touch controlled. Mm. So they don't have buttons. But as soon as you lose buttons, then you don't have a gap in the casing, which means it's much easier to achieve splash and sweat IPX4. Mm. Uh, so we kind of really, we took them, our approach was to simplify every, everything from the start, but always keep sound quality as the number one. Mm. Let me ask you about being a, an, an Irish company and uh, you know, a rare, this rare thing, an Irish firm making tech hardware. What do you make of this um, 
thing that's going on at the moment about uh, we're, we're in a lockdown now. There's a lot of people uh, who would like us to to buy or support local traders. This actually, arguably, is maybe an example uh, of of that. What, where does that f- fit into this? I wrote a column last week about the two sides of it, for the, where it's one should try to support local traders for economic reasons and solidarity as well. Um, it's very hard to avoid buying um, goods from abroad, particularly if there's a convenience or if there's a significant price difference. Where does that fit into this uh, uh, conversation at all? I mean, do these headphones, could we say that these are Irish headphones? I mean, this is front and central point, right? Um, my view on this is, you know, when I came up with the idea of founding OneSonic, um, I was like, okay, we can pivot our existing business. We have the knowledge, we have the technology, we have the people, we have everything that we need to do this. We have all the ingredients. Now it just needs to be put together and get the strategy right, okay? Um, but I thought about it some more, and like with any business, especially a bit of a mammoth like this, as you begin to piece things together, I begin to re- I began to realize that, you know what? The big tech companies in this country are, and I mean no disrespect to the tech companies, the great companies have come in here and hired Irish people and stuff, but they're all foreign FDI companies. They're American-owned brands, big companies, and they essentially come in and employ our um, abilities and technology and all the rest. But we don't really, we, we haven't really as a, as a country, I think, and as a society, I feel like we haven't almost matured to the point that we're confident enough, confident enough to found our own tech companies and go out into the world and say, this is what we are, this is what we do, and we're Irish. Um, and, you know, we, we should have that confidence because if you take music, for instance, I've been playing music since I was three years of age. Um, music is just literally like the air that I breathe, really. But, you know, we have some of the biggest bands and the biggest music entities in the world are from this country. You know, you too, obviously. The Cranberries, Dolores Godrester, she broke the United States with her band. You know, the script. We have a litany of Johnny bands Logan. that are... Oh, don't forget Johnny Logan. <laughs> Sorry, just so like, throw I mean, that in there. It, we have the best creative. We have a history and heritage and culture of creativity in this country. And that, to me, drives innovation and it drives ingenuity. So, you know, that's the, actually very much the way I see One Sonic. It, it brings all of that together. And our team of people are very much, we're very much an engineering and technology-based team. But in terms of putting our team together, I've always, if I get a CV from somebody that's technology and engineering qualified, and has music on their CV or drama or, you know, that creativity. Mm. To me, I'm like, right, that's something really going to be interested in. So this is very much an Irish brand and it's very much an Irish company. And we're very proud of it. And, you know, we're hell bent on bringing this um, brand to the world. But how, I mean, how do you, company. like, you, you know, Sony, Apple, you know, Bose, Sennheiser, even other electronics brands, Huawei, they all, Samsung, they all now have buds. They all have headphones. Where? How do you make space in a lineup like that? Listen, don't forget that Dr. Amar Bowles, the day he set up OneSonic, it was just him on his own. And his primary objective was, um, you know, get good audio quality. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot about the man and I've a lot of respect for him. Um, I, I would completely be of that opinion. And as a business person, I guess, I've said Allegro Acoustics, my other company is going 10 years. I've always been of the opinion that, you know, get your quality right, number one. That's the first thing that you've got to get right. Number two, get your price right, because people have to, you know, it has to be a price that people are accept, accepting of. And number three, take care of your customers. They're, they're my three guiding principles always. But in the market segment exactly that you're going for with, like, the industry you're approaching, which you know far better than I do, um, audio and hi-fi 
that tends to reward niche brands at a high price level. Like people will talk among themselves, communities online, magazine uh, reviews. There's a soft snobbery there sometimes, but sometimes in a positive way, if you're launching a new niche brand, you're pricing this at 60 quid and 75 quid. You're pricing this for Harvey Norman and Curry's and DID Electrical and Power City and like ideally, you know, in the mid to, mid to long term and Amazon. Um, how do you get those two communities to meet? Because uh, some of the audio snob, I don't know that much about HiFi myself, but I have one or two friends who do. And they see a price like 60 quid or 70 quid. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them just automatically seem, ah, that's just, you know, that's for, that's a stocking filler for somebody, you know? Yeah, I have no problem with that. I mean, look at it this way. Um, I have my box of earphones somewhere in here, but, and in them, somewhere down deep are my um, Apple AirPods. Uh, you go and put a set of a pair of Apple AirPods through the wash and you realize while the wash is humming away there that you're like, I forgot to take my AirPods out of my jogging gear and you spent 160 quid on them. Um, and then you listen to our product, the BXS HD ones, and you realize the audio quality from our product is even absolutely the same, if not better than the AirPods. We use them as a benchmark. So I don't believe that um, people, you know, people in this country, in Western Europe, um, I, I don't believe people really have these hundreds of euros to be spending on audio devices. And I think to us, the gap in the market was actually get a good quality product that people can enjoy their music, um, enjoy their audio, and they don't have to go break in the bank for it. They don't have a credit card bill for the next six months. Like, they, don't forget our, our launch slogan, which is at one with sound. That isn't just a slogan. That actually means something core to me. And what it means is, you know, when you listen to your favorite piece of music on on um, on your phone, that moment when you really enjoy your music, you're, you're at one with yourself. Hmm. You're at with yourself. There's a unity there, and that's what that's about. At one with sound, we want to bring a brand to the market that can listen to their music through uh, our devices and be at one with sound, at one with themselves, and find peace. And part of that is isn't ripping off the consumer, if you want to say that, but the onus is on us to bring those devices to the market that people can enjoy using, and you know it is an accessible price point. Yeah, I mentioned guys I know who are into hi-fi, and I sometimes dip into um, the hi-fi world just to see what's going on there. I'll give you an example of a neighbor of mine. Now, I live in a normal kind of a state. It's new builds three and four bed semis and there's a guy down uh, at the bottom of the estate normal guy uh, normal house and he 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 spent about 25 grand on this hi-fi setup he buys hi-fi cabling uh it, by the by the meter it costing hundreds of euro hundreds of euro per meter um ironically when i went into his house one time uh, he wasn't allowed to put the stereo past seven or eight because his wife wouldn't let him but um and anyway that's a that's a different thing but my point uh, is how good is good enough? This is something that I've I've run into a few times over the years. Uh, you you come across it sometimes in the fringes, the debates around vinyl versus CD and digital, and then tidal and high def and all that kind of stuff. And I have to say, having waded through it for years, I am a little bit more inclined towards you know you know kind of a decent streaming rate is probably good enough. And I don't just mean good enough for 100 quid or 70 quid. I mean, it's good enough um, for the vast majority of people to get that joy and that sense of that oneness that you're talking uh, about. And I'm not talking about your product here. I'm actually talking about, you know, in general. But I'm asking you, as somebody who is trained in acoustic engineering technology and who, who probably has, um, like, as much as anyone can have, higher level appreciation for the finer 
um, the, the finer bits and pieces of, of audio. What what do you think about that? Do 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 you, you in your own personal time? Would you would you if you could afford it go for you know a f- three thousand euro pair of headphones? There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that question, Adrian. Well, like <laughs> no, for example, saying, let, let's 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 zero it down to say a streaming platform like Tidal. So Tidal launched, and its main uh, pitch was this, for want of a better term, is higher resolution audio than what you'll get over iTunes, Spotify. Now, some of those have caught up, but that was the pitch at the time. I was there at the launch. I tried the service. Yeah, it sounded great, but it didn't really sound that much better to me than Spotify or uh, or, or anything else. It certainly wasn't worth an, an extra five or an extra 50% extra per month to me. But there were those who said, no, 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 you're missing the point here. Um, the difference between, say, 85% and 96%, that's it's totally worth paying for. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, you see, you know, I, I've been playing music since I was three years of age, and I was signed to a record label at one stage for two years, three years, and recorded two albums. What kind um, of music? I'm looking. Um, indie, kind of rock indie style. Okay. Did you, any, any, then, what was the name of your band? A band called Super Jimenez. We were around in the early 2000s. Ah, Jimenez with a J? Yes. And, uh, well, yeah. Must ask so, my uh, colleague John Marr about that. Do. Um, now, I, I couldn't hack it anymore. I couldn't hack the poverty and it sort of, that was the, that was the first What about the glory, David? <laughs> there was great glory. There's no, there's no better job for job satisfaction than being in a, in a band, playing music and writing music. But I think to answer your question, um, there is, there is a lot of snobbery and I, you know, in, in terms of audio devices and the 25 grand sound systems. But the reality is the vast majority of people have no interest in that and certainly don't have that sort of money. And, and that's that's not the angle I take on on audio. And, and in any case, um, you know, I, I don't even like somebody watching your podcast is going to raise the question about the 30 year old Bang & Olufsen uh, speakers I have here, which are a renovation job. Yeah, but, but that, I mean, that they, fits very nicely, though, into the, the high end. I know what I'm doing bracket it does yeah and like i mean there's about as reliable now as an old fiat 127 but anyway that's a different point but like i mean the i think the vast majority of people what they really want is usable audio that fits in with their technology and once you reach that level of decent audio quality um people can enjoy their music there is a, there is a threshold you know and for example if you take i think a really good example here is actually the sony um wh1000xm3 yeah. which are benchmark for us these guys here they're great they're i have benchmark. a i have a pair right here yep yep Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the difference between these, for example, mm-hmm. and these? Now, if you listen to ours and you listen to these, which I've obviously done and we've yeah. tested them among others, there's actually very little in the difference. If any, it's if I've. OK, you, you, if, well, if, I, if I close my eyes and test them, I wouldn't find you're you're now you're 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 inviting me into this because because I have a pair of your headphones and I also have a pair of the XM3s. The XM3s Excellent. right now cost 299 euro. They launched at about 389. The XM4s, which is the current model, cost 400 quid. Um, I wouldn't advise getting the XM4s, by the way, because they're slightly less comfortable on top than the XM3s. There's more padding on the xm 3 What's the difference between yours and the, and the XM3s? I'll tell you, there is a difference. The XM3s, probably because they had more money to for industrial dynamic, they are slightly more comfortable. They fit your ear slightly more snugly. That means is um, they are slightly better at noise cancellation. Uh, they they do dampen yeah. out at more noise. There's there, to me there isn't much question about that. In terms of audio quality, less of a difference. 
I mean, the XM3s have very good audio quality, but they're not. I mean, if if somebody told me that, you know, would you know, is this the best type audio you can get? I'd probably say no. Is it very good? Yes, it's good. It's probably less of a difference I have found between your headphones and the XM3s. But in terms of noise cancellation, and also in terms of the way they're sculpted. The XM3s are slightly a slightly snugger fit, and they're slightly more comfortable over long term. So you you did bring this up. Now I am an impartial yeah. reviewer, so there you go. However, Excellent. yours yeah. cost a third of the price of the XM3s. Yeah, and I would add that, um, like some people don't find these comfortable. They find them. Um, a lot of people we spoke to about these found that there was an uncomfortable element at the very top of the band. So I think the thing really? about wearable audio, yeah, yeah, a lot of people that I've spoken to have found that the top of the band makes uh, gives you kind of a pressure point at the very top. Of now that head. is really interesting it, because that is one thing that is my number one comfort problem with a lot of headphones, and that's the reason why when I was reviewing the XM4s, I said, look. Um, great audio but actually if it were me i'd stay with the xm3s specifically for that reason it's the reason why the uh, uh surface headphones uh, microsoft surface headphones fantastic tech in there in terms of switching between stuff audio is really really good but over 30 40 minutes it starts to pinch your bones. now i've very thin you wouldn't think so looking at this video it looks like i've got a big mane of lustrous hair actually i have really thin baby hair um, uh, I'm always being slagged over. Volumizer. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, I can't actually create more mass, and so I do suffer from that. I, I will suffer from um, that pressure point, a slight pinching feeling on the top, and I haven't found that with the XM3s. And the XM3s is, I'd say, one of the few headsets that I've ever worn where I don't find that. But I. So I'm interested in the feedback that you got, kind of otherwise uh, uh, on that. Yeah, well, we worked we worked very very hard on these from the ergonomic point of view to have them comfortable. Mm. And where where we got ourselves to was well, the first thing is everybody has a different shaped head, so mm-hmm. it is you're trying to design. I have an actual. I have a physically very big head. I mean, yeah, I have a big head, but okay. you have a physically big head. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So, um, I mean, your your shaped head now could be completely different to somebody else's. Mm. But we found that these were comfortable for for the vast majority of people over the entire day, and the band is very comfortable. So we don't have any of the issues with the band, and the you know the the um the ear cups are, are very comfortable. So we found these um like very very close to to the Sony XM3s, except we didn't have the issue that we otherwise found with these. Hmm. So, but, but I think the important thing otherwise is from an audio point of view, and this was the number one target of ours, we wanted our audio to be as good as the Sony's, which we feel it definitely is. And um, we also, you know, price is a big thing. Ours are literally a third of the price. So is there, a, is there you know, are these worth three times these? I don't need to tell you. It's a I really think. hard question to answer that actually, because well, when I'm reviewing things, invariably about, a quarter of the questions that I get back is, is it worth buying, you know, the stretch going this over that? Like, is it worth paying another 200 quid for the iPhone 12 Pro over the iPhone 12? That's a really difficult question to answer because what is 200 quid to you? You know, is that a very substantial commitment? Even if you're well off, you know, is, you know, would you still pause before spending another couple of hundred, hundred quid on something. Um, so I take your point. Your headphones are 75 quid versus 300 quid for the XM3s. And yet, if somebody is going to you know, wear these for two or three years, if that is their use case scenario, um, it, it, it's, it's just a different answer. If, if it's something that you're going to wear in the bus or 
we ever are allowed on a bus ever again, or, uh, you know, sitting at home at your desk. I don't know. Sorry, I don't mean to get all philosophical on you here. I do accept. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. But like, you know, we we had two benchmarks for each of our products, right? And I just mm. I just tell you where how we took this into consideration. Uh, for our earphones, we had the Apple AirPods as our benchmark because they are the biggest selling brand. And like, they're also quite they're, decent. I mean, sometimes they get slagged oh, off. Yeah. The audio was actually decent on the on the AirPods. Yeah, I think the audio audio is pretty decent. Yeah, certainly I wouldn't certainly wouldn't say it's bad anyway. But we, I basically when I would go jogging, I would always wear the AirPods. And while we were going through the design process um, for these over the last two years, we'd get another prototype in. I'd put them on and go jogging. And like as as a designer, you're always biased and you're always saying to yourself, "Oh yeah, they're great, they're great." And then you use them for a while, and you're like, "Oh, we still have this issue, we still have that issue." Mm. And I noticed that after a while, I would stop using the prototype and I'd put back on the AirPods to go for a jog. Now, my cutoff point for when I was able to say, and you asked this earlier, when is good enough? Good enough mm. for me for these? I I said to myself, the day that I naturally go for these to go for a jog and not the AirPods, that's the day they're good enough. And we reached that day thankfully, about six months ago. And I, I never use the AirPods. Now, I would always jog with these. I prefer the sound. I prefer the fit. And um, yeah, just, I just find them better. So to us, um, that's good enough. And similarly, with um, com- compar- comparing to the Sonys, um, I never use my Sonys now, but it's a comfort thing for me. And I actually prefer the audio. I find the Sonys and a lot of the other more expensive brands, maybe, sometimes they overdo the bass. Um, and we we wanted a more high definition audio approach that's more um, for everybody as opposed to just this bass heavy sort of thing. So mm. I, me personally, I really do prefer our own product at this stage. So that's the cutoff for me. And um, when it's good enough, good good enough. Well, for it's me, handy, it's isn't it, that you prefer your own product? I mean, that is kind of <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. nice. Um, I can sleep better at night. Yeah. So what happens now? You can get these headphones from your own site, which is once I think it's onesonic.com. Is it? Is that, is that the the website? Onesonic.com. Yeah. How do you crack the retail or distribution nut? Yeah, so, well, we, we're basically, um, we had always intended launching online and focusing much more on the online um, platform. Now, because of the way this pandemic has played out, that's actually that's actually uh, the right way to go now for us anyway. We're not really, not anyway, currently interested in um, stocking in stores. And um, it creates a whole load of other difficulties. And like people mostly buy online now anyway. So uh, onesonic.com, that's where our product can be. But a, um, but- a lot of people, a lot of companies find that um, if they get a distributor, for example, that they tend to take care of the logistics of spreading them around different big box stores or whatever. And the the consideration there is that when somebody's going to look for a pair of headphones or anything else, they will normally check two or three or four outlets or stores which have a choice each of maybe five or six or seven products each and that's the space that they want to get into for uh you know anything approaching mass market um is that just too difficult when you're up against the likes of sony and others who have these massive logistic operations underway um, I, I wouldn't say it's that it's difficult. I think it, the way we see it is more that we have the opportunity um, to sell online. And I mean, we're available all throughout Europe um, now and our fulfillment centre is here in Dublin. So we've 24 to 48 hour delivery to Ireland and UK and maybe three days to Luxembourg, Belgium, Belgium France, Germany. So, you know, the opportunity is there for us to sell online as an online store. And I guess the, the job for us is really to, um, you know, 
show our product enough online so people see it and understand what it is and understand the benefits and maybe get people to review like you know so that they understand this is actually a genuinely good product and that but that's our job to present that does that we, mean we we're going to be seeing uh, does that mean we're going to be seeing a load of influencers on on instagram now over the next uh sort of three or four months oh my oh my god look i just got a pair of one sonic headphones they're so cool um <laughs> uh, no no it doesn't mean that no um i've never really been a believer in that model either i, I think you know there are people in our own community and and you know people in the uk throughout europe that genuinely understand audio they understand music and they might see things the same way that we do people who who can't be bought you know don't forget there's a whole lot of influencers online that you you just pay the money and they'll tell you they'll say whatever you want them to say we have actually zero interest in that business model because it's not there's no integrity there it's not genuine what we'd much rather do is partner with people who who are genuine people who who and they'll give their opinion on something like yourself to be fair adrian you'll give your 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 opinion on something and whether it's good or bad you'll give it so that's really what we're interested in hearing and and that's the sort of that's the way we want to present ourselves because that's how we'll get genuine feedback as well from our consumer mm. and from our customer. You know, when people like something, they'll tell us. If they don't like something, they'll tell us. And we'll build that into our design process and give the consumer what they want. Okay, just before I let you go, I just have to ask about your your other role, your other job. You're an acoustic consultant and designer um, uh, with Allegro, isn't that right? Allegro Acoustics? Allegro the, Acoustics, yeah. yeah. And so you go into things like uh commercial buildings manufacturing buildings health centers schools whatever it is and you advise on the acoustics Could you just briefly explain what that is or how that works so allegro acoustics is an acoustic and audio design consultancy so yeah we've worked with acoustic design in buildings for like 10 10 years well me personally more nearly 20 years um so yeah that's basically what what we do uh, one of our big projects right now for instance is the new tud which used to be dit the campus in Grange Gorman. So oh, yeah. we're the technical advisors on acoustics for the, um, the basically the music building, which is the biggest building on that campus. So it has a, like the Conservatoire of Music Ireland, and um, it has a lot of studios, media, radio, recording studios, um, TV, uh, soundstage, all that sort of stuff, black box and a recital hall. And um, so we advise on the acoustic performance of those spaces and you know technologies that you use to get that. And um, so it's very it's it's kind of more building related but it's actually very closely related to audio technology as well so what's um, what's a really good example in dublin for example of a building that you might go into like for a concert hall or something or, or um a theater or, or any public space what's a good example of somewhere that is really good for that in your experience this question like i've been working in acoustic design for 15 at least 15 years and this question always makes me nervous because like well it might be I mean, clients in so a few years is it <laughs> no 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 not not even that at all but um it's so it's really subjective you know but like for example i i personally think that the three arena is a fantastic arena i've seen so many acts in there um and i love the sound in there they've left a little bit of reverberation but it's, mm. it's a nice there's a nice clean sound at the same time um but I was talking to a, a a guy recently who does um you know desks in there and he said oh it's awful it's terrible and I was like oh god that's not what I thought so it's uh, but I do hmm. to, to answer your question I personally think the three arenas is a it's a fantastic place to hear music here. and that was David Cauley of One Sonic talking to me this week so thank you very much for listening that's all we have time for I will see you same time next week for me Adrian Weckler take out of the Irish and Sunday Independent bye bye.